Gavin. And Louie. We're here <laughs> um, in like a fancier space than usual. Yes. We're not just drunk space. in my apartment. No, we're, dr- we're drunk in public. Yay. Um, my favorite <laughs> type of drunk. Um, but uh, this, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. This is uh, another episode of The Mixed Reviews. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. And we have a very special guest, and it's our first time having a guest, mm. so I'm super excited. Uh, please welcome to the show, Dan Mecca. Hello. Hi. What an honor. Uh, it, it is. What an honor? What I mean, an so honor. let me just pull out Dan Mecca's resume. Real quick. And uh, just so you know, uh, spot on fully work. Yeah, well, thank you. I, that was we call that props. <laughs> the, uh, Dan Mecca, you are a director, writer, producer. On top of that, you're a co-founder of the website, The Film Stage, which sure. is a wonderful film website. And if you have not gone there, you should. Thank you so much. Um, what a just so flattering. And uh, I, I do want to say uh, when I told uh, certain gays that I live with uh, <laughs> that that you were going to be our first guest, he was like. Having Dan Mac on to talk about Jane Fonda, a straight guy to talk about Jane Fonda. Drag! <laughs> but you have, once again, all those credentials I listed. On top of that, the most important credential of all, you actually fucking listen to the show. I do, I do. And I everybody do else who's asked me to be a guest, they're like, can I be a guest? I was like, have you listened? And they say, no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> I do listen. And exactly. I am so pleased to be with you guys. I, uh... Just to you know, I look forward to uh, to being Mixing a part up. of the mixed <laughs> reviews world, the mixed reviews playlist, and uh, also I, I now officially love Jane Fonda. Yes, I uh, always loved her uh-huh, in, uh-huh. in a more of a abstract way. Right now, you uh, appreciate the and work. Now I know that I love her. <laughs> right in um, a deep, deep way. I do want to give you uh, extra credit as well. You actually suggested Jane Fonda because uh, I was talking about Louis and I talking about what we should do next, and you're like. Book club's coming out. Why don't you do Jane Fonda? Book club, baby. Book like, club. Book club. Let's talk about book club only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good. So for it's the next the hour. book club and pod. <laughs> like, but specifically, Jane Fonda and her wig. Yes. <laughs> and it is a wig, right? 100%. Uh, Anyways, how dare you? Well, of course it's, it's a wig. wig. Yeah, it's yeah. a wig. It has to be a wig. Um, we'll get to that in the fast forward. And then if we talk about book club, it'll become a Candace Bergen podcast. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's coming soon. <laughs> Absolutely. So... As I mentioned, we this week are talking about Jane Fonda. Right. Normally, this is when we would do old business about um, Jim Carrey. So, Gavin, you don't need to drag me as hard. <laughs> I forgot to put up a poll for Jim Carrey, but like we all know, we all know. you know, it's clearly the oh yeah, the poll of like of what his best movie. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what Dan? What's your favorite Jim Carrey? Yeah, movie? I was thinking because I listened to the Jim Carrey one, and you guys went hard on Jim. But like, Jim Carrey best movie uh, or your favorite? Maybe not our best. favorite, favorite, right, favorite, favorite. I mean, I so I. I ride for all. I guess I ride for all the '94 movies, right? The okay. star making year. Yep, yep. I am a little less of an Ace Ventura person, yeah. than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we all just sort of aged out of it. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, but it it has like endured though. We talked. Oh, yeah. You guys talked about that, like the scene, the Finkel is yeah, what is it? a Heinhorn. Yeah. I mean, that's like iconic. All weirdly right. offensive now, but it's very iconic. Yeah, still. exactly. It's I was like gonna a, say it. it's something. Your weird endurance is correct. It's a very weird note. <laughs> Um, I love How the Grinch Soaked. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, How the Grinch Soaked Christmas. Which something, is something that we didn't even mention. Right. No, no, his best movie, I think, is The Truman Show. I mean, it doesn't even come close. I, 
people love Eternal Correct. Sunshine. I like. It seems like me and Dan really are in the same. I love the show. Do you guys need me to leave? Are you gonna kiss? I mean, we already did. Yeah. So good. I don't know what you were talking about. Hi, Kelly. But so that is of the past. Like you said today, we're gonna speak about Jane Fonda, Jane, American icon. Yeah, I mean Jane. I I would say, especially something. So I gave. I was very nice to you. The other reason that it was great to have you on is I was able to give you a full month, which is you know, Louie and I get about two weeks. Uh, to do this, which is a lot to cram in, and yeah. I like you knew way out of time, and so uh, a lot of Jane out there. Yeah, I was gonna say because there's so much, um, and I would say that she is more prolific than her very famous father. Yeah, you know, I suppose that's true, right? I, Henry made a lot of movies, yeah. but I think people forget it with Jane Fonda that she made so many movies so young, mm-hmm. and right. then you know they're. We know now that she took a long break while right. she was married to Ted Turner, right? I mean, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is the nineties, basically. No, that absolutely gone. coincides. But, but yeah, I mean, like the sixties, seventies, eighties, she was knocking them out every year. Yeah, basically. absolutely, kind of crazy, and always looking amazing. Always, always, looking and like I don't want to, and I don't want to be like gross, like guys talking about women, but like she is somebody who like really prided herself on the way that she looked, for better or for worse, and we'll get into that during the rewind. Uh, but like, yeah, she just, I, to this day, to this day, she's 80 fucking years old. I know 80 years old and she's still playing the sex kitten. Yes, okay? absolutely. And I believe yeah. it. I got so I believe much respect it. for that. The- and, <laughs> and not to go back to book club, cause I'm sure we'll come back the, in book club. They say Diane Keen's like, Oh, 51 is when I was born, which right. implies they're all the same age, mm-hmm. which is like, Nonsense. that means that Jane is playing down like 14 years. Right, exactly. And the only one fully pulling it off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's so Jane crazy. Fonda play, like supposed to be the same age as Mary Steenburgen. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. sure, Jan. I love that. <laughs> Mary Steenburgen was just on RuPaul's podcast and she meant, she's like, it's great to have a movie out there where all the characters are over 65. Now I will tell you I was 64 when we shot oh, it. Right. <laughs> Like, what a queen. Wait, yeah, way to go, Mary Steamer. <laughs> All right, Gavin, you have the um, unenviable task of getting us through the rewind this week. All right. Hit it. So Jane Fonda, this is, a, this is very complicated, and I will tell you guys, I did the work. I listened to her entire book, 27 hours of her autobiography. I, I did the work. Okay, I did. America. I, America. America, I did the work. Jane Seymour Fonda. mm uh, strong was, name, strong yeah, name. Was born. Jay, her middle name Seymour. Yeah. So there's another actress named Jane yeah. Seymour. On, oh. on top. Of, anyway, sorry. On top of that, her uh, name was spelled with a Y, or and she Ooh. took it out. Jane. J a y n e. Oh wow! Yeah. Like um, she was born December twenty first, nineteen thirty seven. Wow. As I mentioned before, she's eighty years old. Mm. Um, she, I mean, this is really it's really difficult to like summarize her life. But she is born to Henry Fonda, um, as well as her mother, uh, which I'm losing her name now. Um, I mean, she was born into, like, a Hollywood dynasty. Yes, absolutely. Frances Ford Brokaw is the name of her mother. Okay. Um, now, uh, the story of her, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do this exactly the way Jane Fonda does. She breaks her life into three sections. 1 through 20, 20 through 40, 40 through 60, and then beyond, obviously. And, uh, and then after that, nothing. <laughs> and then after that, nothing. She's done nothing. Um, uh, her early life was was kind of fraught. Uh, her father was really emotionally detached from her. He was always working, always doing plays, doing movies. And she just never really felt the connection to him. And it's funny because she says that that sort of led to her shutting off the emotional part of herself. Um, 
she uh, discovered a mantra in herself that she would constantly repeat. She didn't realize it until much older that uh, whenever anything happened bad, she would just repeat in her head, I can fix it. I can fix it. I can make it better. I can make it better. Mm. And so she would put this pressure on herself even from a young age. Um, her mother, Frances Ford, um, was uh, very depressed uh, to the point where she had to be hospitalized. And um, the, she kind of resented her mother for this. And because of that... Uh, her last chance to see her mother, her mother came home to visit with a nurse um, and she wouldn't come downstairs to see her. In fact, she convinced her younger brother, Peter Fonda to stay upstairs and play with her. But eventually Peter did go downstairs and little did she know um, her mother would kill herself shortly thereafter. Jesus. Her mother was actually home to find an implement to cut her own throat with. Yikes. Oh. Uh, that night, after she discovered her mother was dead, she was told by her father that her mother had had a heart attack and died suddenly. Wow. And he then left to go be in a play mm -hmm. that night. Just not grieving, just left home. <laughs> Classic went, Hank. Exactly. Um, and it wasn't until later in school, around the age of 14, that uh, somebody had passed her a magazine. And in the magazine, it said her mother had killed herself. Oh, wow. And that's how she discovered a year after my mother died, uh, I was in study hall and a girlfriend passed me a, a movie magazine in which it said that my mother had cut her throat. And of course, I thought if I had gone downstairs and seen her and that day that she came to the house, then she she wouldn't have killed herself. It was my fault. So, you know, I went through life with a lot of guilt the way kids do. It's all about me. It's all my fault. Many years later, when I got the records from the institution where my mother killed herself, it was a big packet. I remember when it arrived, and I, I started to shake. I got in bed. I was so cold, and I started reading it, and it was a lot of reports from doctors and nurses, and then suddenly, in the middle, there were about... 12, 15 pages typed with little handwritten notes in the margins. And one of the most important things that I learned is that she had been sexually abused. Everything fell into place. I wanted to take her in my arms and tell her how sorry I was, that I understood why it had been the way it was. But also, I was able to forgive myself. It had nothing to do with me. Because of all of this stuff that happened, and also just like be the undue pressure of being part of Dynasty, she also began in her early teens, which she learned from a fellow classmate, who she does not name in her book, um, she became bulimic. Mm. And this lasted until her 40s. Jeez. Yeah, she was bulimic and anorexic, and you can see it in some of the films when she's, you know, Barbarella specifically, she's very thin. And obviously, like, she's padded, you know, when she's... But, but like, she is 
it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she genuinely believed this was the only only way to start him. One of my favorite stories she tells in the book, and I actually have an audio clip of this, is um, meeting Greta Garbo, who was one of the few celebrities that actually talked to her, and not just talked to her, like her father would throw these parties, and Garbo was so bored at a party, she invited her to go swim in the lake. And when she went with her, Garbo removed her robe and was completely nude, and it was a life-changing moment for her because she realized women didn't have to be, and even though she was bulimic for the for a vast majority of her life, it's the first time she saw a woman who was built like a human being, mm. and she realized that they didn't have to be so cinched in. And actually, Greta Garbo asked her if she wanted to be an actress. And I said, no. She said, well, you're pretty enough. And I I think I swallowed about a ton of water. <laughs> I was so shocked. And I think I had a Cheshire grin on my face for the rest of the day. It was a, it was a great experience. And of course, my more mature, smarter part of my brain knew there were a lot of very beloved, wonderful, fabulous women in the world who weren't perfect and who were loved. But it took me a long, long time to realize we are not meant to be perfect. We're meant to be whole. So she attended private schools where, once again, she, as I mentioned, she learned. Imagine being like, why do you want to be an actor? Like, well, Greta Garbo told me to. Greta Garbo said... You got a kid. Um, but but more, it's fair, but, sure. But just imagine that with a German accent. You know, <laughs> a little more intimidating. Um, uh, you know, before she started acting, she was a model. She appeared on the cover of Vogue twice. Um, and then she really decided to, like, get into acting. And in the 60s, or early 50s, uh, she started going to the actor's studio where she trained under Lee Strasberg. Um, uh. So she is technically, like, quote-unquote, a method actor, but she's one of those people who can, like, leave it which is nice. Mm-hmm. We mentioned method acting last week at Jim Carrey. Method acting is sort of inhabiting your character. You know, she describes this really, the moment where she realized she was good was, well, Lee Strasberg told her she was good, is when he made her imagine she was drinking a glass of orange juice and she was so good at performing this sort of mime work that he was like, you you have this. Like, you have it. He was like, go to Paris, yeah. um, work the streets as a mime. <laughs> um, the, Paint uh, your face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do the Robin Williams route. And, um, um, and uh, yeah, and so she then, she starts acting, and she gets her first job. She was actually, she almost got her first job, funny enough, in the FBI story, um, oh. and, but then the director decided to go a different way. But wouldn't it be funny if Hanoi Jane got her start uh, in the that FBI would be story? funny. But the first movie she gets is 1960s Tall Story, which is based off a play. She's playing opposite Anthony Perkins, and she's basically playing everything she would come to hate. Mm-hmm. Um, she's playing a girl who's in college just to get married. Right. Yeah. And um, she hated, I think she kind of hated the movie, right? right. She yeah. hates the movie. Director Joshua Logan suggested that she have a couple ribs removed and <gasps> have her back teeth removed so she would get that more sucking in look in her face I and have her nose fixed. cannot fucking yeah. believe. And, and she did all I of know, that. but that's the thing. <laughs> if you watch this movie you're like she's so stunning that it's impossible to believe that somebody would look at her and be like this can be perfected well that's like the Judy Garland stuff from you know Wizard of Oz she's like a 12 year old girl and they're like hey so you you gotta lose some weight (laughs) Judy as if like Kate Winslet has said the same thing like through her entire career she's like always been quote too big and it's it's Kate motherfucking Winslet like hello (laughs) it's crazy um women so so she did a bunch of she she did a bunch of movie uh 
but it wasn't until uh, 1962's Walk on the Wild Side where she earned a Golden Globe for Most Promising Newcomer, which is a award they don't do anymore, just to tell you how long Jane Fonda's been working. Right. Um, but then uh, she did uh, Sunday in New York in 1963, and she really felt that that was her mm-hmm. breakout. Like, you know, she's really funny. I, I go watch this movie. Uh, movie yeah. And she, and like, it's surprisingly frank for 1963 about mm-hmm. sex. What would have happened if I hadn't told you and we'd gone through with it? You probably would have insisted I marry you. I would have felt obligated. And are you obligated to any of the others? Like that dimwit who's been begging you for a late date? Or any of the others you've been, you've been picking up on Fifth Avenue buses? In their instances, I'm not responsible. And who made you responsible in my instance? I would have felt it. Why? The initiative was certainly mine. I didn't merely suggest, I finally had to demand. You couldn't possibly have that saintly a character. It's not a question of character. In a situation like this, a girl's not supposed to be a, a, a beginner. A girl has to start sometime. Not with me. A man reserves the right to make a choice. Who do you think you're talking to? That's my position. You mean if I call you next week and explain there have been others, it'll be all right? Yes. Call me next week! Newsday called her the loveliest and most gifted of all our new young actresses for that film. But at the same year, she won the the Harvard Lampoon's uh, year's worst actress for the film The Chapman Report. Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, just to just to give you what you know the the sort of opposite sides of how she also in that year made the movie she called the worst movie she's ever made. Yes. in the cool of the day. In the cool of the day, yeah. which is bad. It's real bad. It's very bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll talk Spoiler. About, I was going to say alert. we might talk about that more later. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of her personal life, um, in 1965, she marries uh, Roger Vadim, who is a French director and pretty much universal scumbag. Mm, um, mm, but mm. she loved him. And, uh, she, for a time. For a time. She tells this story in, the, in this book that the, one of the first things that she attracted her to him was that uh, in English, he would pronounce the wrong syllable in words, you know. To, to get a lot of things out of a woman... You must pretend to to uh, to understand everything, and to be very cool. And little by little, you influence, and you get what you want. And I don't think that, uh, not in life, but on the theater. I don't think you pretend. When you at all. when you you hold too strongly a woman, <laughs> you mean I'm a real slave? I don't see why. I don't, you said you pretend to be cool and to understand. I think you are cool and you do understand. And that doesn't it's make worse. you a. <laughs> the inference I got in the book was that it, it seemed like she was a little intellectually intimidated, which she shouldn't have been because she, she's smart, but it's also the 60s. Um, and so I think she liked having a, just a little something to hold over him. That's funny. But. Um, it was kind of a toxic relationship. She moved to France for him, um, and it wasn't until she moved to France that she took part in her first uh, political, you know, uh, activity, and she really saw for the first time uh, the way America was seen by other countries. Um, the uh, before I get to her pregnancy, which she didn't wasn't sure she wanted, um, she uh, Roger would 
do things like show up in the middle of the night, stay out really late, show up in the middle of the night with a sex worker, a female sex worker, and bring her to bed. And so she was party to many threesomes that she wasn't sure she wanted to have. She did just sort of for him. And to his consternation, a lot of the time, she would befriend these people. And some of them, she said, at least until her 60s, she's friends with to this day. Wow. Yeah, she would, he would leave for work, and she would have coffee with them. So, you know, not all threesomes turn out badly. She's like, ghosting? I would never. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not me. Not me. Um, and I, th- I thought that was particularly interesting, and I think it's a, an, in, an, in, like, an interesting aspect that she's so frank about. She's like... I don't really know if I'm into women. I don't know if it's a thing I like. I did it for him, but also, like, I found the sex very rewarding. Mm. Huh. So, yeah. I'm putting that on my profile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm into women. Right. <laughs> but, okay, well, I do. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, she gets pregnant by Roger Bedeem, and her first thought is kind of like, I don't want this. I don't want I don't want anything to do with this. Um, because, and she talks about this in the book, she had a little... Um, sexual identity dysphoria. When she was young, she was a very tomboy-esque, and for a while she began to wonder if she perhaps should have been born a boy. Like a lot of girls, I was pretty feisty. I was a tomboy. I climbed the trees and I wrestled. And then suddenly, you were supposed to have boyfriends, and you had to be a certain way. You had to be popular, and you had to be thin, and you had to be what they wanted you to be. That became a very difficult time in my life. Partly, I was suffering for the loss of that wonderful, strong, brave girl that I had been. I was mourning the loss of her. And so I slept a lot and didn't know what to do with myself, and I was floundering. My father called me frivolous and lazy. He didn't realize that I was suffering. Starving myself, anorexic, bulimic, etc., and so forth, you know, I'll be perfect. I was on this toxic quest for perfection, and it is toxic. It's an interesting feeling to hear this prominent actress, this prominent sex symbol, talk about this sort of mm-hmm. um, slight dysphoria. In the end, she's very, she's mentioned she's very comfortable being a woman, but it is something that, like, crossed her mind for many many years because she didn't like being seen in that sort of barbarella sort of way it's funny in the book she talks about how like she's just happy that she's not seen as barbarella anymore she loves the movie she likes that she can watch the movie but she's really happy that that's not what people are like like when when the hanoi j thing happened she was like well that's fine by me um it's funny because i always thought like she's i always thought she like has this masculine energy I mean, her voice is yeah. very masculine. Her features... I mean, obviously, she's a gorgeous woman, and she's clearly, like, the sex icon. But I think I think maybe it's because her sex icon status is, in part, thanks to her ability to kind of, like, inhabit both the masculine and feminine, and she just kind of, like, lives in all of it. I don't know. I think... No, no. I think... I, I absolutely think you're right. I, I do think... That's one of the things that I, I've really responded to in a lot of her films. Even in Tall Story, yeah. um, she has... She's a lot stronger than, and there's very few films where she really drops that strength. There are a couple. Um, and you can tell in Tolstoy, she's fighting against yeah, the words absolutely. to some degree. Um, and like Cat Ballou is a great example of what you're talking about, Louis, where it's like she, it's a sexy performance, but she's literally taking on the role of yeah. this legendary outlaw. And they work, they work nicely together. You yeah. know, that, that's a movie where you can tell. 
it, the, her being the star <laughs> is the reason the movie is remembered. Right you know what now. I mean? Like, if it's another actress of the right. time, I don't know that you get the same result of that. I mean, also the song Cat Baloo. Yeah. <laughs> and so sad. Nat King Cole died uh, yeah. right after the movie came out, right literally, before it came yeah, out. Yeah, like, literally just sad. right around the time, yeah. which is cause kind he, of heartbreaking. It's really interesting because he has a lot of screen presence. A lot. Yeah. He's yeah. in a lot of that yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 Um, when I saw the credits, I was like, that can call. He's like fourth build. He's like yeah. third build. He's like. So as I mentioned, she's she's laid up. She's on bed rest, and that's when she really decides like she wants this child. She realizes that <coughs> this is something that she actually wants out of life. Um, but when she's laid up at at home, she starts watching TV. And the big thing about the Vietnam War was it was really the first war televised, mm-hmm. and she sees <laughs> everything that's happening. I believe that our country was on the side of the angels that if our flag was flying someplace, it was on the side of the angels. I was a believer. And I hated being an American in France with everybody saying to me, because they knew they'd been there before us. You know, they had their asses whooped before us. You know, uh-uh, you're not going to do it. Sorry, you're not going to win. And I thought, well, it's sour grapes just because they lost. They think we can't win. I didn't understand. And I remember Vadim saying in, in 65, right at, at when the Gulf of Tonkin resolution was passed, which permitted Johnson to bomb North Vietnam, he said, you're crazy. You people in Congress, you're just nuts. There's no way. And I thought, how come a French director? What does he know? Suddenly, 1968 and the Tet Offensive, and I thought, oh, my God. Why? What is this? What does it mean? What does it mean to be an American when we are being whooped? by a small agrarian country of peasants and fishermen. And then the events of May, Les Événements de May. Do you remember? Things were happening all over the world. This coalition of workers and students almost toppled the de Gaulle government, and I was pregnant. And suddenly, my eyes began to turn outwards, and I began to... I sort of... I became the characters from my father's movies. You know, I think... I once met Martin Luther King's daughter, Yolanda King, and and I asked her, I said, did your father used to take you on his knees and teach you about life and values and how to live life? And she said, no, no, he never did. And I said, no, my father never did either, but you have your father's sermons, and I have my father's films, Tom Joad, Young Abe Lincoln, Oxbow Incident, you know, Grapes of Wrath, Twelve Angry Men, The Wrong Man, iconic characters who cared about justice. And that entered my DNA. He didn't have to speak to me. And at 68 was where the, all those seeds that had been buried began to bear fruit, and I began to to look at the world and, and, and came home. But her, her first daughter was born on September 28, 1968, and she uh, named Vanessa Vadim, and she named her after Vanessa Redgrave, who was uh. her idol. Ah, so did they ever make a movie together? Oh, why? Yes, they did. They made a film called Julia. Julia. (laughs) Uh, So their marriage is a little off and on, as I mentioned before. uh, Roger Vadim, and finally, or Roger Vadim, uh, finally in uh, 1973, uh, she divorces him, and uh, three days later, um, she marries activist Tom Hayden. Three days. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> in a freeform ceremony oh, in Laurel oh, Canyon. What's a freeform um, ceremony? It's, you know, it's the hippy, like, hippy dippy and whatnot. Love um, that. Tom Hayden um, is the start of her second act, essentially. And famously consigliere to the Godfather. Yes. The Corleone family. Yes, we, yes. All, uh, we all know. We all know. We, exactly. Doesn't need she, to be said. She marries but... a Robert Duvall character. How many times <laughs> has that poor guy gotten that oh, joke sure. after 72? Oh, that... Especially since he ran for office. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, 
Oh, man. But he really, like, sort of shapes her activism, makes her really more active. You know, she was living with him sort of in, like... A, like a not a mansion like she bought she tells a story about buying this house above the smog in LA hmm. and realizing that that's not what she wants so literally before she even moves in she sells it and buys like a very small house like just basically on the streets of LA and they have people constantly in there and uh, they have a friend who refuses to sleep inside so he sleeps in front of their door and she talks about trying to take Vanessa to school and having to like step over him for seven years <laughs> like crazy. yeah and so uh, I, I love these stories, but like the, the, so this is the time where she, she starts to become a, a very controversial figure in America mm-hmm. and, um, it all comes to a head when she decides to visit Vietnam because she hears of a, um, plan for the U S to bomb, uh, aqueducts in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Which would be a war crime, essentially, because you're basically starving out uh, right. people. Um, and she wants to go take pictures of it. And unfortunately, um, while she's there, she's really tired. She sprain like I'm not. I can't remember if it's a break or a sprain. Um, once again, this was a lot to take in. But she injures her foot, so she's not thinking clearly. She's barely getting any sleep. And um, while she's there touring these aqueducts, which she actually gets pictures of, pictures and sound, because she's attempting to make a movie. Um, she gets her picture taken on an anti-aircraft uh, gun. Mm-hmm. This becomes a hot point. That is the, the picture. Yeah. This is where Hanoi Jane comes from, the nickname that's given to her by detractors. And this is basically, it looks like she's on the anti-aircraft and, sm- and she's smiling yeah. like in the anti-aircraft gun. And so it looks like this American... I mean, I, it's a bad photo. It's a yeah. bad photo. I mean, you know. I wouldn't have given up the experience that I had in North Vietnam for anything. Yeah, I made a mistake. You know, I don't. I sat on an anti-aircraft gun without thinking, and I will die regretting that. And that's the same time, 1972, is when FTA comes out. And FTA was her and Donald Sutherland and a bunch of other, um, like, comedians and actors doing... Uh, she calls it political vaudeville. Yes. And they do, like, a Pacific Rim tour, of, yeah. like, outside the army bases. And they're basically saying, fuck the army, fuck the navy, right. fuck the air force, and giving um, voices to these soldiers who... Do not want to be in this war. And and they get, the army actively tries to get people not to go. You know, they try to send people on drills so they can't go. They even call in a, big, a fake bomb threat at one point to one of their shows. Yeah. The U.S. Army does this to get people away from her. There's a great Vulture article out right now because Metrograph, which is a theater in New York City, is doing a retrospective currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about the photo and uh, they say, quote, Fonda has apologized for the photo repeatedly. And we'll be doing penance for it, perhaps forever. Hanoi Jane is a nickname like a flashbulb memory, one that easily encapsulates a chaotic time. But she has always denied that she has to apologize for any other work she did in Vietnam, reminding us the government was lying to American soldiers and it was not traitorous to protest the war. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. And and, and look, she's an intelligent woman and her comments on it are totally thought out and and rational and and to hear speak about it and I, it, is very important yeah. and yeah. i think she she's always said she was like i was never anti soldiers and like the these she was more like i want to give a voice to these young men and women who are putting their lives on the line for like this war that they don't want to be a part of that the government is lying about um and i think she, i mean god what a fucking ally to be like so like so famous like yeah. truly like the most famous 
you know, and so beautiful and have all this money. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to, like, go on tour. This was before the internet. She was not, like, out there live tweeting right. in Vietnam. Yeah. Like, she was like, I'm getting on a plane with Donald yeah. Sutherland and we're going to go put some shows on. And it, she won, And to your point, she won her first Oscar early right. in that year for Clue. For Clue. And, and then, on top of that, very famously, and one of the things she talks about many times is, you know, one of the things that she always worries about is when she was younger, she spoke too much and didn't listen enough. And I would say that mm-hmm. that Oscars was really the point in which she really perfected yeah. the like listening because she thought to herself, should I say something? Should I say something? And she doesn't. Yeah, I and think she, she says she's like I. W- I think everyone was expecting me to use that platform. Yeah. when she wins her Oscar to like do a whole thing, and instead she says, "Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded." There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. I mean, she's intelligent. Like you said, she knows what's going on. She knows what the perception of her is. And I think it's really smart of her to, like, separate, you know, this is my job as an entertainer. And then in my real life, I need to go and do my thing that I can do to help entertain and uh, help soldiers who are have an awful, you know, fucking... uh, thing that they're doing they want to be out, out of so yeah it's, I can't imagine um, especially in this pre-internet world where it's like any little sound clip any photo any mm-hmm. little thing is, is is all you're gonna see and get right uh, I don't want to I don't want to stay too long in the 70s but it's such an important part of our time but I will say this is really when things start to get crazy um, she later was able to obtain her FBI files um and through a freedom of information act and she found out that she was subject to a massive campaign uh that was attempting to charge her with sedition um this label is given to a person who advises counsel's urges or in any manner causes attempts to cause insubordination disloyalty mutiny or refusal of duty by any member of the military naval forces of the united states uh because she was so vocal about the vietnam war her file was given the code name gamma series um and she found out that her bank turned over her financial statements. The CIA opened her mail, which was the first case of this ever happening to an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Like, these are important things that, like, of really creepy things that the, yeah. um, the uh, government did to her. Um, three years. They spent three years targeting her under the watch of J. Edgar Hoover. And finally, the FBI determined that nothing could be brought to her. And in one, she mentions this in her book, one of the personal notes, one of the people overseeing the investigation was, this investigation is not legal because it seems like you're just targeting a private citizen, somebody that you do not like. Right. And because she had a voice. Right. Um, But, I mean, it's so crazy that, like, here's this person who's famous for making these movies, and the government's like, we need to shut her up. Like I'm, I'm shocked she made it out of the seventies. In all honesty, it's very, it's weirdly similar to like a Muhammad Ali, a mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. where within the space of three to four years, yeah, she's an icon for one thing, and then is almost has her eyes open to this thing that's happening, and you know chooses to go this other way, where it's you know she's a sex pot, sex icon in this, you know, campy 68 sci-fi movie yeah. that her husband makes, and then by 72, she's an Oscar winner with an FBI file. It's just it's wild. 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 <laughs> um, I, I do want to say real quick, too, just before we move on to... Uh, I mentioned that she was making a movie over there when she was filming. Um, the The movie, the visual of the movie, survived long enough for her to show it to the French press. Some Somewhere between the trip to Vietnam to France, the audio disappeared. Uh, the video she was able to narrate for the French press once, and then she was able to show up once in New York, and then it disappeared. 
And so all well, like, like in you're saying this in a way that yeah, like, like somebody stole somebody it or something stole like that? her film of all the the footage oh. of of the bombed out aqueducts in Vietnam. And wow. to this day, she has no idea where it is. Uh, just three, yeah, exactly. Mr. Um, Plum. <laughs> obviously, somebody like thought she wouldn't be able to present it without the audio. She was, and so wow. video had to go too. It's fascinating. Um, she has a son. His son Troy O'Donovan Garrity was born July seventh, nineteen seventy three, in Los Angeles. Um, uh, and then her and Hayden unofficially adopted an African American teenager, Mary Luann Williams, also known as Lulu. She was a daughter of the member of the Black Panthers because Fonda had connections everywhere, yeah. essentially. Um, and she helped him run uh, his Senate campaign, and they seemed to have a really decent relationship, but slowly you could tell there were some tensions pulling them apart. And I, she doesn't cite this as a reason, but I can definitely see it being a really shitty thing that happened. So she she <coughs> decides to really start making more political films. And you see a string of her films in the 70s. Yeah, absolutely. And one more than ever, uh, more than the, some of the others, is Coming Home. And she, they see an early cut of that film. They air it. It's about three hours. It's an early cut, as I mentioned. All films go through, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you know, but all films go through early cuts, rough cuts that are way too long. Um, Tom Hayden comes with her. Uh, is silent throughout the entire screening. And as the credits roll, he gets up and pats her on the shoulder and said, nice try. Ooh, for coming uh, coming home. Mm-hmm. Oh. Why? Wow. He didn't. He didn't feel it went far enough. He didn't feel that it presented the politics, the anti-war politics wow. that he stood for. Far enough. Um, nice right. try. Relax, Luda. dude. Relax, Tom. Uh, yeah. So in 1990, and she said, "Fuck you! I'm getting my Oscar right. for it." And and she felt a lot second of, Oscar. Second Oscar. <laughs> she felt a lot of tension growing in that relationship. Um, and prior to their divorce, she does something that she never thought she would do. She has breast implants, mm, and mm-hmm. it really ah. fucks her up because it's one of those things that she like was like, "I'm never going to alter myself to to fit standards of beauty," and she does it, and it's something that just hammers the nail into the relationship. So in 1990, they divorce. And real quick before we get before we move on into the next section of her life, I know this is going on really long. She has a really long life. Um, she makes a film with her father on Golden Pond Mm -hmm. in the early 80s. Um, And it is really a moment of catharsis for her because she never felt that he believed in her as an actor and he definitely did not care for the method. Um, And she talks about one specific moment in the film. The scene where I... where I have to say to him, I want to be your friend. And I wanted him to have emotion as well. And so I waited for his close-up, and I did something that he always hated. He didn't like anything to happen that hadn't been rehearsed. And I reached out, and I touched his arm, and he flinched, and tears came to his eyes, and he went like this. And if you look at the movie, you you can see he he ducks his head like this, but I saw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw. That's all you need. The movie kind of really parallels their real relationship. She plays... His daughter, right? And a lot of the movie is this woman being like, "I hate dad. Dad yeah. doesn't love me. He never has." And um, she's tr- she's doing her best to like make her life work. And right. he's like a crotchety old, you know, son of a gun. Um, and so yeah, it's really uh, seeing it is really like you're getting a little glimpse into their their reality. Totally. Um, and he and uh, yeah, he died soon after, huh? Yeah. 
And the other important thing that happens in the 80s before we move into the 90s is she breaks her foot a second time and realizes she can't do ballet. She was a very strict ballet person. Um, that's how she kept herself thin besides bulimia. And she needs to discover another way to keep herself thin. How does she do, guys? She discovers aerobics. Oh my god! Um, she learns Maybe aerobics. The best thing. Yeah, I've ever absolutely. Seen. Five star reviews for Jane Fonda's. <laughs> All of them. All fifteen of the workouts. Yeah, Julie um, Mecca loves the aerobics. <laughs> oh, shout out to Julie Mecca. Um, and. Uh, yeah, she starts uh, this aerobics thing. She learns it from a, a woman in California, and she realizes that she can start teaching. She starts teaching on a film sets. People are like, you're really great at this. Um, and a friend of her is like, you should monetize this. And what's really brilliant, the, the most brilliant thing, uh, she talks about how like VCRs, when they first came out, were super expensive, and yeah. nobody had any no reason had to own one. them. Yeah. Because you wouldn't watch things multiple times, because they don't have the culture that we have, where we buy a right. film and we watch it over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, but if you have something to watch over and over again, like a daily exercise routine, perhaps. So she, smart. Yeah. Literally, Jane Fonda is the reason why Americans were like VCRs. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And they yeah, weirdly so. did that club noise. <laughs> they did. There's a few don't talk about that enough. Exactly. Too. Jane Endurance. Fonda invented aerobics the and noise. the club noise. Yeah. yeah. Which is, <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is why we do this. Yeah. It is the like a uh, worldwide most sold VC like uh, VHS tapes ever, yeah. right? Yeah. Welcome to my twelfth workout video. I bet you didn't know there were twelve of them. All kinds of classes for different levels of fitness. The class we're doing today is sixty minutes of interval aerobics designed to maximize fat burning and cardiovascular fitness, and it's for all levels. This kind of interval training requires you to increase the level of intensity that you're working at for a short period of time, then slow down a bit, repeating this pattern in intervals throughout the class. Competitive athletes have used intense interval training for years to improve their performance, and it's a great way to burn stored fat. And initially she starts it to supplement um, her charities, and she does a lot of charities. She does camps for underprivileged kids, and it was a lot of a mixture of kids. It was kids with illnesses, kids who uh, have disabilities, inner city youths, and, yeah, yeah. and it's really, like, she d does a really great thing with this money, which is something that people don't talk about, because I think people think that she did it just to uh, garner wealth. Right. Sure. Really, she was just funneling this money back and out. And to be, like, the, hot. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, was, I mean, she was. She was. <laughs> I mean, she was. <laughs> yeah. She was. Um, but and so we enter the third section of her life which is the weirdest section and the section I wish lasted shorter in the book um, <laughs> but literally once again you know she's divorced in 1990 and uh, Ted Turner calls her like a week later and is like hey I hear you're divorced and she she describes as this like fast Just talk body on Ted Turner yeah like, absolutely and, on Ted Turner and he starts to woo her and she's a little put off because he like owns all this land and he's very rich and she's very like not this, but he's, you know, this one part in the book she tells him, and I was like, he sounds awful. Um, he's telling her, like, his favorite things, and he's like, you know, as a kid, I loved Attila the Hun, and I loved, you know, Alexander the Great, but now my idols are Mahatma Gandhi and uh, Martin Luther King, and and I was just like, he sounds like a bad guy, Jane, don't do it. Jane, <laughs> um, a fuckboy, if I ever heard yeah. of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she rebuffs him at first. She starts dating an Italian. Italian doesn't work out. He calls her back and he's like, I hear, I hear you're not dating that Italian anymore. Um, and so he wears her down in much of the way that Steve Urkel wears down Laura. Um, and, uh, and he becomes her third husband on December 21st of 1991 in a ranch near Caps, Florida. They get married. Um, the pair, like, they they are last for 10 years. She decides to go into retirement from acting. Her last film is in 90, I believe. Yeah, 99. 1990, she makes a couple of yeah. final movies, yeah. And um, 
she decides to go into retirement partially because she says she's not feeling it anymore. But also, Ted is a little controlling. And he says, like, I couldn't have a wife working that much. I couldn't have a wife away that much. And um, she gets, she has, forms a really good relationship with his kids and everything. But at the same time, clearly, like, the first time she catches him cheating on her is two years into their marriage. And as she describes in the book, she's like, I'm not a violent person, but I hit him with a car phone repeatedly. And all I could think to myself while it was happening was, wouldn't this be funny if somebody did this in a movie? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. And their relationship, like, it doesn't, it doesn't last. And on, uh, on May 22nd of 2001, she divorces him and she says he drops her off into the, at an airport and immediately gets into a car with his mistress and drives away. No, oh, yeah. Ted. Yeah. fucking Ted. Um, the I mean, it feels like a very Ted turn. Right. Move. I don't. I, mean, I don't know the man. Uh, don't know the man, but it feels right. <laughs> it feels on brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, um, she decides she wants to be her own person, and that's really. She talks about how she really molded herself to be, you know, this person that each of her husband like. She and she conflates this with her bad relationship with her father that shut off her emotions so she would find people that she could become the thing that they wanted Roger Vadim she was the sex pot Thomas Hayden she was the ultra activist and Ted Turner she was the socialite wife and it really bugged her that she she spent so much time in her life being other people now I think that's a little unfair to herself because I think a lot of the stuff that she did as an activist was really important and not because of Thomas Hayden I think she was headed down that road even without him it just makes sense that she ended up with him Um, the socialite stuff I don't know (laughs) she had a decade of that I'm like you know, yeah, exactly. He's a rich guy. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, but also, I can imagine like she's like, oh well, like this is what mom and dad's life right. was like, you know, and so it does, it's not like completely off the mark. I mean, maybe if she doesn't like it or she doesn't want to do it, right? Cool. But it doesn't feel like completely out of the realm that a Fonda would want to be a socialite in like you know society. Um, but uh, real quick, she um. Uh, rediscovers religion, which is a weird sort of thing. She talks about, like, she's a non-denominational Christian. She decides to move back into Christianity in the early 2000s, and now she practices um, a very specific type of yoga. Zazen meditation and yoga is is really where... um, We all know it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in 2005, she decides to come out of retirement from acting. Her old manager, uh, not old manager, but her prime manager, is a producer on a film called Monster-in-Law. I mean, the Classic. The classic. I mean, I'm, wa- I'm waiting for the Jennifer Lopez episode. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll talk about Monster in Law more then. Um, and then... Uh, and also, yeah. enough. Yeah, enough. <laughs> and, uh, and she's been working steadily since, and uh, you've seen her in a lot of things, and she's currently on a Netflix show, Grace and Frankie. She mm-hmm. has a movie out right now, and there's a documentary coming out on HBO mm-hmm. called... Uh, Jane Fonda and 5X. Jane Fonda and 5X, mm-hmm. which will be out uh, soon. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that in the uh, fast forward. I do want to mention, as you mentioned, she's... Uh, twice Academy Award winner mm-hmm. for Clute for Best Actress and for Coming Home for Best Actress. Um, she, in 1962, she was awarded the honorary title of Miss Army Recruiting by the Pentagon. Ah, little did they know! Little did they fucking <laughs> uh, know. Uh, she, in 1981, she was awarded the Women in, in Film Crystal Award. And, yeah, she's she's literally just so, so awarded. Um, I do want to mention, once again, I know this is going long, but charitable works um she's basically spent the rest of her life focused on charitable works focused on youth education adolescent reproductive health which is very important environment human services and the arts 
Um, Fonda has established the Georgia Campaign for Adolescent Power and Potential in the mid-1990s, and the Fonda Family Foundation in the late 90s, which was actually the first million for that, was given to her by Ted Turner at her 60th birthday. Hmm. So, uh, in the mid-2000s, Fonda founded the Jane Fonda Foundation in in 2004 with $1 million of her own money as a charitable corporation with herself as president, chair, directory, and secretary, and she contributes 10 hours each week on his behalf. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're working when you're working actors to take a full day. Yeah. Off oh yeah, no. I mean, that's to, not nothing. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. That's really impressive. She also does a lot of outreach for at-risk youth, especially in terms of sexuality and sexual identity. It's something she's very passionate about. She's um, a, like a true living legend, yeah. like and a, and an ally for so many. I mean, just looking at her work, like after she that's those string of movies where she's like, I'm gonna make movies that are Saying something yeah, important and that, that I believe in. Something to me. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not gonna like. You know, Barbarella was fun and all that, but like she right. was like, I'm fucking over men just like yeah. wanting to like I fuck me. Yeah. Well, and she speaks to. I mean, I think she speaks to the idea of growing into yourself. Like yeah. you were talking about. I mean, the thing that I came away from watching her movies more than anything was you can you know you can watch how she changed mm-hmm. in her movies, in her performances, in her life, in her life's work. And you know, for every what you know, quote unquote mistake that the public believes she made or what have you, you know, she turns another corner and goes another direction and is doing things, and, and, and nothing stops her, right? Yeah. And even with the Ted Turner thing as like a funny, you know, aside in her life, I'm sure I'm sure if Jane talked about that with us, or if it's in this documentary coming out yeah. uh, later this year, it would make total sense, right? Like right. she speaks to. She speaks to a full life. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. She's definitely a fascinating subject. As I mentioned before, she's 80, and she's still going strong. She's still going strong. As I read this, I'm about to turn 78. And though I know you'll find this hard to believe, this is the happiest I have ever been. It was all worth it, the good and the bad. So don't give up. I'm proud of you because you will never settle for less than you think you can attain. Love, Jane. Should we get into our five-star reviews? One-star reviews? One I think one? we should go with, just because I want to get the Band-Aid off, because I love her so much, let's go with one-star one reviews. One-star. One-star reviews. I'm just going to, like, jump in and Do say, it. how many of us are voting for Georgia Rule? <laughs> So, I'm not. Okay. I, yeah. I, am I the only one in Georgia Rules? No, no. I think it's a ba- a really bad performance. Okay. Nonetheless. Yes. And uh, a bad I, movie. I, I, don't, I don't love it. Uh, I have, I'll i talk about it. Okay, yeah. so yeah. Georgia Rule is 2007, and it's after Monster-in-Law, uh, so it's like, and her comeback tour. Um, <laughs> and it and, is, because she... I, which I, was like bandied about a bit. Yeah. Like, I, I do I, remember my mom, like, watching the Today Show and being like... Jane's back. Yeah. I, I do want, and I do want to. I didn't touch on this, but like she initially was only going to do those two movies because they could shoot in and around her schedule because she was living in Georgia at the time, and Georgia Rule was actually shot in Georgia. And then she was like, "Cool, I'm done. This, I'm done." And then she was like, ah, "I don't want this to be the last." Right. So, uh, so Georgia Rule, uh, perhaps mostly famous for like being Lindsay Lohan's like true like combustion of her yeah, totally life yeah. and career. Um, also starring Felicity Huffman, who deserves better. Yes. <laughs> deserves better, Felicity. I know, it made me sad watching Georgia Rule, yeah. where you were like, she got nominated for Transamerica. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then it's like, 
Where'd you go? I, I mean, she was in know, that show that people liked. I, Desperate Housewives, that show no, people no, liked. No, 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 the, uh, the, oh. the John Ridley show. Uh, uh, that just American yeah. Crime or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 People like yeah, that. People yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie, 2007, directed by Gary Marshall. And, um, oh, yeah. I'm forgetting that. I just remember, like, the the stories coming out on, like, E! and, like, Entertainment yeah. Tonight just being, like, they can't control Lindsay on set! And blah, blah, blah. and I didn't know what this movie was about. I finally saw it. And I didn't know what it was about either! I thought... I was shocked. <laughs> well, in fairness... The the I don't think the marketing the marketing no, was all like hides with the movies yeah about. they thought uh, like it's as it's a comedy drama it is not yeah like seeing Jane Fonda say like fuck you to Lindsay Lohan does not a comedy make <laughs> um, essentially this movie is about Lindsay Lohan's character who is like a fuck up and Felicity Huffman plays her mother and she's like I can't deal with her and so she drops her off at her mom's home in Idaho um, and that's um, Jane's house and she believes in God and hard work and, and so Jane is Georgia yeah yes Jane is she's Georgia and she's got rules um, it's a big theme like Dua Lipa yeah <laughs> um, and and so she's like under my house you'll be in by like, and the whole I like, thing I like that she's become Catherine Hepburn yeah, it is, it is. Like, yeah. she like was taking on, on Golden Pond yeah and just, she's like exactly. I got this <laughs> um, Katie Hepps <laughs> I I'm not gonna get too deep into like what the fuck this movie's about but essentially it's like Lindsay Lohan trying to fuck Dylan McDermott, right. but he's, like, mourning his, like... Who gives... I'll give the one thing that I'll give the movie. Dylan McDermott's the only person giving a performance. Guys, I'm sorry. Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney, you're right! You guys are shit, making the mistake. Shit, shit, you're right. I love That's that you're the same person. The classic the same. Are they not the same? It's the same person. <laughs> um, yeah. Dermot Mulroney, you're right. It's Dermot Mulroney. Um, it could be Dylan there, There's a scene where he has a conversation with her, and she's like... He, she tell like she's mad at him and she's just gone fishing and she hits him and he just like the line delivery of like don't hit me with fish right is yeah. the best line delivery in that entire movie. Um, essentially, she like <laughs> tells him that she's been sexually assaulted by her stepfather. Yes, but then she's like, but was I? <laughs> That's the whole movie. And the That's whole the movie. movie is like that is literally the whole movie. And yeah. poor Felicity Hoffman, who's married to this man. Just Carrie, like Carrie Elwes played poorly by Carrie Elwes, well, whom I love, but like yeah, it's a, he yeah. and 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 Felicity is like going for broke, like she's an alcoholic, and she's like I don't know what's happening, yeah. and and literally Lindsay oh Lohan's God, character is just plot. and she's just like no, he, I lied, mom, because I'm crazy, like I'm oh, yeah, because because I wanted you to actually believe me more, everybody else believed me, right, but. right, and the, the movie just like vacillates between going back and forth and whether or not Lindsay Lohan actually got fucked when she was 12 years old by her stepfather and. Uh, I the movie is a fucking. I was like, who's this movie for? Yeah, no. Who, who's... I mean, yeah, no, exactly. The only, the only, the only thing I find interesting about the movie that I give it a little credit for is it is trying to explore like the the muddled nature of you know abuse. I right, suppose. right. Obviously, Gary Marshall's the wrong person. And the tone is very almost offensively. It's light. offensive. Can, it's offensive. Just real, like, um, like, can you talk a little more about Jane Fonda though? Because like, there's so not Jane, a character there. So, no, Jane. Oh, yeah, no. Jane, and then there's not. She's, um, she's. So I guess she's supposed to be the person that's like going to shape Lindsay's um, character into like a woman who wants to like you know get her act together and like you know what I did with your mother. Uh, Jane doesn't do much. She right. kind of... And it feels like she was... It almost feels like an editing choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and I wonder if there's something more that was right. left... Right. It's, it's, I was going to say, for, for being the title of the film, right. because 
she is Georgia. She has very little screen time. And there's scenes like she confronts Carrie Elways at one point, and you really want to oh, see yeah. that Jane Fonda fire, and there's nothing no. there. You know I know. Oh, come on, Georgia. I don't care what Rachel says. I know. And that must eat at you. Having something that disgusting, criminal, known out here, exposed out in the open. If my daughter wasn't in love with you, I would kill you. And also, a weird thing about Georgia Rule uh, is it is another case in her long and illustrious career of the wrong title for a movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, her entire career has been about the wrong title. Yeah. Very, very strange. Because yeah. Clute is a movie Clute? not about Clute. Clute is the Bree name Daniels. of... Yeah, Clute's the name of Donna Sutherland's yeah. P.I., John yeah. Clute. Yeah. It's about Bree Daniels, who's yeah. Anna Fonda. Old Gringo. Yeah is a weird movie that she produced that Old Gringo is Gregory Peck's character, but right. it's, he's in it and has a big role, but, but it's way more about Fonda I and would, Jimmy Smith. I would 100% even, even fight for the name Coming Home. Coming Home might be the aura of the movie, right, but, but it's, it's about, about her, her staying, home. staying home. Like, yeah. what happens yeah, exactly. to everybody left behind. Okay. Let's move on from Georgia Rule. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I want, I want oh, so mine, mine is we've mentioned it a million times. It has to be Monster Law. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like that you're both be, picking later career. Well, it has to be Monster Law. I, I, you know, we all watched most of her stuff. I watched most of her movies. I rewatched a lot. Um, there's she made plenty of subpar movies. Right. Comes a Horseman's a Slog, in the cool of the day isn't great. Yeah. That might come up. Um, but Monster in Law. When we, especially when we think about Jane Fonda, feels like such a betrayal yeah. for Jane Fonda. Yes. When I, when yes. I watched yeah. the, her character, <laughs> when we talk about the late age socialite, thing, right? That's the yeah. only performance yeah. that feels like whatever that is, where where she's literally playing, and the only and the way the movie opens and introduces her. She's this old powerhouse woman getting kicked out and for, that's the, for younger. That's the only moment. That's the only moment I like, and, and not even until like, like the, the. She has like a breakdown on yeah. air because she. Can't I don't. I don't it. even like the breakdown on air, but right. the stuff leading up to the breakdown totally. is yeah. so fucking good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, and it speaks to a lot of Hollywood scripts where I'm sure there was a version of that movie before it was called Monster in Law. Yeah. That's pretty biting, maybe. You know, pretty, I don't know, interesting yeah. in its own way. Which is maybe why oh, I give George Roll a little bit more credit right. than Monster in Law. Uh, because I feel like I still see the nugget of that idea. Where Monster Law is insane. I mean, the, the whole movie is literally Michael Vartan. Oh, poor guy. <sighs> Good old Michael Vartan. And Michael Vartan. He's handsome, handsome as ever. I love the moment where the I love the moment where Hollywood was like, maybe Michael Vartan. Yeah. I feel like that moment of Hollywood being like maybe Michael Vartan was also the like time in which Jennifer Garner was like maybe Michael Vartan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. 100%, it coincided. 100%. <laughs> like, um, but so, but but. The whole movie is, um, you know, Jane Fonda's in a in a tentative place. She's like, literally losing her mind. It's right. played as a joke. She's taking too many pills, which now feels very weirdly misplaced. Right. And the whole movie is she's trying to break up the engagement of her right. Well, that's son. successful doctor son with with Jennifer Lopez, who is basically it's Jennifer it's Lopez. They never say this, but it's basically like. She's a Puerto Rican no, yeah. who doesn't have a full time job. That's right. like basically right. literally. There, Jennifer it's Lopez brutal. decides to play like the most passing, Ugh. whitewashed version of herself. Even her voice is like, 
hi guys right. and I'm like so Jennifer Lo- I, and it's I, I understand code switching I get it like I live that like light skin Latino life but the way she uh, it's, it's 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 insane I, I I'm offended by that performance yeah um, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the plot of the movie because it does I think it does explain a little more but that's that's the other thing and she has sense she absolutely has sense said it was a terrible script but I knew people would see it because of Jennifer Lopez yep uh, and people, I, people did see it, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think definitely it helped her, her, her like indoctrination back right. into to yeah, yeah, the yeah. world. So fine, but but on top of that, you're you're right. Yeah. Uh, everything that she went through, she she in the book she talks about um, she would spend full days in bed when she was a teen because she was so depressed. And this movie has scenes like that that are played as a joke. Mm-hmm. That her character's mental instability, mental instability <coughs> totally. is is meant to be laughable, and it's something that, like, as an audience, we can be like, "Oh, she's crazy!" <laughs> Isn't it so crazy? And, yeah, and like that performance weird. is like frustrating and offensive. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I mean, and it gets to a point where they're physically hitting each other, yeah. and you're supposed to laugh. Take off that white dress right now, or I'll take it off for you. Don't you tell me what to do. You did not just poke me. Don't you touch me, you two-bed tramp. Oh. oh, my God. Viola, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. You. you don't go and slap somebody and then apologize. Get some backbone. There's that stuff. There's also the Wanda Sykes character, yeah. who is basically playing like you know, like the funny black friend. Yeah. If if yeah, they it's... had named her Mammy, yeah, <laughs> like it would have been just uh, that much more obvious. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're absolutely right. It's yeah. Offensive. There's a million things yeah. in it that are very Adam Scott as the gay best yes! friend that he's they never, but he's no. not gay. They never mention. They never it. talk no. about. They can't but talk. He, he puts yeah. on a voice. Yeah. yeah. And even there, and like there's jokes about like, and he like loves Michael Vartan. Yeah. yeah. It's like he never hourly says like, oh, I want to have sex with that. Yeah. Right. Jennifer Lopez is like, you're my. Buddy, buddy. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Kind of like, I'm like, okay, we got it. Very strange movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So strange. Really did all, not have a good experience all, watching that all, all left turns when they should have been right turns. But, but once again, I also think Fonda's performance is particularly bad. Yeah. Too. No, I mean, that's, I mean, she's bad in the movie. I mean, shut yeah. up. What's, what's your uh, So my one-star right. review is, I'm, I went much older, and I actually did, and she's mentioned it's her least favorite film she ever made, yeah. In the Cool of the Day. Mm-hmm. It's from 1963, very early on in her career, before Ooh. she even hit her... <laughs> Um, she plays uh, basically the Satine character from oh. uh, Moulin Rouge. She's a sickly young girl who just also happens to be Jane Fonda. Mm. Yeah, uh, and like, is not ever, doesn't ever look sick at all. No. Until no. the last two she minutes like, of the movie. I think she, like, like uh, faints a little yeah, at some point. Yeah. And that, um, she uh. she meets Peter Finch, who is... Uh, a million years a, older than her? Yeah, a million years older. Very rich because he can just pal around Greece for like an entire film. Um, and the problem is, is he's already married to Angela Lansbury. And on Uh-oh. top of that, he was in a car accident with her that left her scarred, which, by the way, the scar seems to move throughout uh-huh. the film. Yeah, and also is not noticeable. It's not noticeable. It's like a little line here, or sometimes here, sometimes here. <laughs> um, and, um, and then their son died, though, right? Their son it's died like in a tragedy, tragedy and, thing. Yeah. And because of that, Angela Lansbury is a heinous bitch. Right, right. Um, oh, what what, what the movie does to Angela, Angela Lansbury is for literally no unforgivable. It's, an, it's a sin... That someone will pay for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and speaking of Fonda's performance, so he falls in love with her, and I'm gonna, like, this is the, you can watch the other two films, I'm gonna save you some time, I'll spoil the shit out of it for you. Um, 
so she ruins his marriage and Angela Lansbury leaves and by the way once Angela Lansbury leaves the movie it's not worth watching anymore she's clearly the star which is crazy because the movie yeah. has Jane Fonda in it. Uh-huh. Um, and she and Jane Fonda is married too yes but it's oh like that's a, right I always forget but it's that a because, marriage of convenience yeah and it's and it's not important it's like yeah, not important the guy clearly doesn't care it's yeah. very strange um, so they continue to travel around Greece and then uh, her mother finds her and is like you need to come home and then she gets sick and dies and that's it like literally that's it she, she's like she's like wrapped in plastic and they have to like remove the plastic yeah. and she's like she has this awful death scene where she's just like I would I would rather have 10 minutes than 10 years okay and next like, it's a model in horror show I didn't I didn't want you to go through this ever I hate having you see me like this no, no, Marie. Don't blame yourself for anything. I wanted life. I found it. Marie, do what we would have done together. Will you? Will you, Marie? You have no idea what connects these characters together. You have no idea what she died of. You have no idea why any of this is happening. And it's just this miserable, miserable yeah. experience the entire way through. The only saving grace is it's an hour and a half. Thank God. Well, thank sure. God. Thank God. It's a yeah. short movie. Um, but, yeah, she's... And I I will say this. Um, that's why, like, it. I mean, I feel bad that you guys picked modern performance, but they're deserved. But, like, I, mean, I felt like, in terms of acting, she really learned from In the Cool of the Day. Because In the Cool of the Day, she just had to show up and be pretty. Mm-hmm. And she just basically, until the rest of her career, never played that role again. Even in Barbarella, she's given more to do. Well, and she has an interesting quote uh, in when she was uh, reading the script for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Yeah. Talking with Sidney Pollack, that she recalls she didn't love the script, but when she met with Sidney Pollack... He asked her yes for her thoughts, and that was the first time in her career a male a male director because yeah. they're all you know they're all men right you know, up to that point. And I think most of her career, um, uh, that was the first time a male director was like, "Tell me what you think, collaborate with me on right. how to make this better, how yeah. to make your character better." And that is ultimately why she took that movie, which is of course a yeah. great, great movie. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, so it's it's just men being men, guys being guys, guys, guys. Being guys. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and her performance suffered for it, but I'm glad she was able to move past that. And I'm glad she had the, the foresight to kind of move past that. But like I said, I don't. I genuinely believe she never played that type of role ever again. Yeah. So uh, so let's move into our five-star reviews. Five-star so, reviews, thank God. I have so many things that I love. Yes. but uh, That's the one advantage of doing this, is that she does actually have so many movies. movies. Like, she could have actually won the Academy Award many more times. Totally. Like, I was for a long time gonna choose the China Syndrome because I am a sucker for like journalism movies. Yeah. Um, and I really like it a lot. But then I was like, I'm crazy because it absolutely is nine to five. <laughs> really? Is, I'm a gay man. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, yes. Are um, you? <laughs> surprise. Uh, I love 9 to 5. So 9 to 5 is a 1980s movie uh, directed by Colin Higgins. And she produced it. 
Yeah. Um, and she was inspired by um, a friend who started this uh, organization in Boston um, called 9 to 5. Um, and it's just like this high radical satire of, you know, the workplace and women having to fucking deal with the men. Yeah. And they did a lot of interviews with um, with actual secretaries and whatnot. Yeah. And, and like, that's essentially how the script was molded. Yeah. And she said that they, they were at first they tried doing it as a drama. And then she was like, no, I think it needs to be a comedy. And it really um, they shaped it really well into this um, thing. Where, so it's, it doesn't even feel preachy. It doesn't feel, no. you know, like, oh, we're going to get you like li- women's liberation. Like, it's really, really funny. Um, like, uh, Dolly Parton makes her theatrical debut. Um, also pens an iconic Ugh, song. The best. The best. The best. Um, and, um... I have a very funny Dolly Parton story. I don't want to interrupt no, you, please. but, like, she brought her... Jane Fonda brought her son to the set, and it was very clear. Her nine-year-old son was, like, infatuated with Dolly Parton. And finally, Dolly Parton went over to meet him. And at one point, she goes, you know, uh, do you know Mama feet are so small? And he didn't answer. He just shyly... And she said, because things don't grow big in the shade. <laughs> Dolly Parton... <laughs> What a queen. What a queen. What a queen. queen. The the queen of all queens. The queen of, yeah, absolutely. Um, And then also starring uh, Lily... um, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin, who, another American legend icon star. Yeah. um, Yeah. An amazing trio. I mean, an amazing trio, and Jane specifically in this movie is playing against type, really. She's not the, like... This is one of the times I would say... Yeah. Like, she... As I mentioned, she exudes this sort of inner strength. Mm -hmm. I would say 9 to 5 until she comes into that character. Right. She does a really good job at reserving it and pulling it back. And I want to say, like, give a shout-out to whoever did, like, the styling and, like, because she's dressed as a very conservative kind of, like... um, Her husband has left her um, for his secretary, and she's like, I guess I have to work now, and I don't know how to... Like, the iconic scene of her with, like, the coffee machine falling over herself and being intimidated. They they did many screenings, and often they would do screenings for women who worked in offices, and during that scene, that was the most reaction they would get from the offices of, like, women shouting out, like, just push the orange button! Uh That's so good. The movie is just <laughs> I- iconic, and um, it's just about these three women who are a plot to, you know, make their office a better place to work and um, come after Mr. Hart, who is yeah. an asshole. It's really ahead of the time, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, but the part at the very end when, like, all of their changes get implemented, yeah. except for the pay raise mm-hmm. to be with men, mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. This movie, <laughs> like, over 35 years later, this movie is still radical. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, uh, and again, this is just part of Jane Fonda's, like, I'm going to make movies that are important to me and that are important yeah. to causes that are important. Like, uh, and, and, and also solidify her relationship with um, Lily Tomlin, who she's yeah. now co-starring with in um, Grace and Frankie. Yeah, and I will say quickly, I saw a drag version of this um, in San Francisco, uh, where Pandora Box played Pandora Lee, um, and it was everything iconic, um, uh, and and there's a reason. Like, and if if we were going to bring back, um, she said what? There's so many lines in this movie that are just amazing. Um, when Lily Tomlin's like, "I demand respect." <laughs> Um, when they call Mr. Hart a lying egotistical, uh, uh, oh shit, what is the, that? Yeah. That whole thing, Judy, you've got to help me. That mob has gone crazy out there. They're trying to kill me. Why would they want to do a nasty thing like that? I don't know. I'm not such a bad guy. You're a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. So I have a few faults. It made a 
billion dollars. Oh, like, yeah. Which Crazy. is hyperbole, it's, but... It, it spawned a TV show, which, as a throwback to a previous episode... Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno played Lily Tomlin's character on the oh, TV Oh, really? Show. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my gosh. And it also yeah. spawned a Broadway musical. Yep. Um, which I saw, and by the way, one of the best Broadway experiences, because it was... Um, uh, Allison Janney. Allison Janney. Um, and... Uh, Megan Hilty. Megan Hilty. And I can't remember the third, but the night I saw it, Allison Janney forgot her lines when they were at the hospital. Love and it. it was just her and Megan Hilty making each other laugh for about 10 minutes before they finally got back oh, on script. No. And it was hysterical. Every second of it. Yes. Wow. I So you saw like a Broadway star. Yep. I mean, Forget yeah. I was like CJ Craig. What yes. is happening? I think about I think about that whenever I see a show all the time. Like, yeah. Will I ever see yeah that movie so, moment of mm-hmm. like? And the line is this. And, but what was great is they just kept playing off. They That's clearly great. and they were just cracking each other up. Megan Hilty was playing the Dolly Parton role. Yeah. Uh, she, she was playing the Lily Tomlin role. Yeah, I mean, and so, yeah. and all this is thanks to the production force that is Jane Fonda. Yeah, um, yeah, totally true. Blessings. Well, and one thing about Jane is. You know, when you watch her movies as an actress, so versatile. I yeah. Mean, really. I mean, truly, yeah. So versatile. Um, my five star review is performance based more than anything. Okay. And I'm gonna because she's made so many good movies, like you said. Um, I'm gonna choose Stanley and Iris, which is uh, Martin Ritz' last movie, yeah. I believe. And she, her co-star, and that was her last film before her, retirement. Her last film before she took her hiatus for 15 years. Um, it's uh, her and Robert De Niro. She first, she's first billed in it, which yeah. I love. Um, oh, uh, I saw this. I thought I didn't, but I did. Yeah, <laughs> and it's where he like teaches her him how to read. Yeah, he, she teaches him how to read. Right, right. And it's a, it's it's a classic Martin Ritt movie. If you guys yeah. know his movies, you know he. It's a very like American everyday person very movie, bad. a lot like HUD, a lot like Norma Ray, a lot like Sounder, right? Like he made a lot of these kind of very like this is who this is the heart of America type of movies. Anyway, <laughs> she is a she's a factory worker. She meets this guy Stanley who is kind of he's like a laborer basically. He's illiterate. Yeah. He's, he's taking care he of He tries his... to save her from a mugger. Exactly, yeah. at the beginning. He uh he's taking care of his his immigrant father, who I think he's Italian and like yeah. can't speak English and is getting old, and you know, so he's you know working to try to take care of her, his father. They kind of start a romance. She's she is housing. She's just getting over the death of her husband. She's housing her kind of defunct sister, played by Susie Kurtz, mm-hmm. yes, and mm-hmm. her oh, bum husband, and her kids. Martha Plimpton is Martha her Plimpton. daughter, yes. and she's great in it as well. And it's just a movie about how life's hard, and uh-huh. you got to wake up every morning, and you got to deal with shit. Right. Yeah. And it's a very like quote unquote small performance from Jane Fonda, but you know. Not small at all. It's, right. it's lovely. Yeah. It's very felt. It's a sweet movie. See, I like bright lights and a lot of people. I see you're feeling pretty good today. And you're wearing your pink sweater. That's what you wear when you feel good. And when you feel bad, you wear the gray one. <laughs> I only have two sweaters. Am I right or wrong? You're watching me. You stand out. I 
I saw it at the right time for you know. I mean, when I watched it, it like it touched me. I was like, you were oh, learning how to read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. big. I, you know, I'm still learning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was a big uh, help. To tea. Yeah, <laughs> up to tea. And uh, and then you know, Rob De Niro, Robert Robert, Robert De Niro is is great in it, and, yeah. and that's a funny period of his career it's too. Charming, very yeah. charming, and um, and they have a nice kind of little awkward chemistry. They do and, have and it works, yeah. and, and it kind of makes me sad that she kind of after that decided to take a break. Yeah, it felt like. That was a new way she could have gone, maybe. The, she she referenced that that was around the time that she wasn't feeling it anymore. And part of that was actually the town that they shot it in, there was a group that formed against her, a veterans group that was essentially like, we don't want her to film here. And during some of the nights off, what she did is she started meeting with um, uh, widows and wives of vets to try and like basically talk some sense into it. So there's all this like backstory oh, wow. to that movie that like, what was going on off screen? It didn't her like it didn't do that well. No, yeah. You know, I think you know, I think that another thing you find when you look at her career is, you know, she stayed famous in the eighties, yeah. and you know, obviously the workout videos and whatnot. But that was definitely the most successful thing. Right. Yeah. She was making the movies, and she got nominated for the morning after, right. which is a pretty interesting Sidney Lumet movie. Um, but by and large, her eighties movies yeah. post nine to five didn't hit. Rollover well, was kind of a bust. Uh, I watched Agnes of God, which right. was a movie that was panned critically, yet somehow garnered two Oscar nominations, both for everybody but her, for Meg Tilly and Anne Bancroft. Interesting. So like, yeah, yeah that's... and that's kind of. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I think she maybe to that point she didn't need money, right? Right. Maybe she thought people weren't going to see the movies, right? So you think to yourself, hey, maybe you know. I'm fine. Maybe I go to Atlanta Braves games. Um, I I would be remiss if we didn't just very, very briefly. I mean, I think Coming Home and Clute are both really brilliant, and she deserves her awards for them. And they're both politically charged films. And she did a lot of work for playing Brie Daniels. She tells this great story in the book about how she actually met with a lot of sex workers and a lot of madams. And she talks about the one scene where she, like, goes in and just talks to the guy. Mm. And she asks one madam, she's like, is this, like, a common thing? And the madam said to her, Oh, honey, one of my clients just likes to peep at me through a keyhole while I play with myself. Those are the best encounters. Oh no one God. gets touched. Amazing. <laughs> and, uh, That's so cool. And uh, I, I like that. what I'm going to do later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew it was you through my people. Um, that sounds weird. What'd you pick, so, Gavin? Well, so my pick is, uh, funny enough that you mentioned the China Syndrome, the China Syndrome. Ah! Um, I saw the China Syndrome this Great. past year um in january while on vacation in miami um and initially like we were watching it super late in a hotel room at the turn of classic movies and i started to fall asleep and then i couldn't fall asleep yeah. anymore because it's so tense i've it's never seen so it film. tense and essentially she plays a reporter who goes they go into a nuclear facility a tv reporter tv reporter and they go into a nuclear facility it's her and michael douglas um, and they basically witness uh, an, accident. an accident that shouldn't happen. Uh, basically, what could lead to a nuclear meltdown. Yeah. It was it like a lead fl- to it the... was a fluff piece that they were yeah. there just to like kind of like show off the facility. It famously right. came out the time. Well, that's an I was just gonna say it came out a week before Three Mile Island, and, yeah. and no one thought this movie was gonna be a hit. And then suddenly, it's so. Patient. I mean, I don't know. In the history of time, has there been a better time? Like, yeah. yeah. The movie came out but that's, through my... That's what's happened. amazing about Jane Fonda is she's always, or at least in the 70s, was always so conscious about she picked the projects at the right time. This was, once again, a passion project. She wasn't going to star in it. She was just going to produce it. Richard Dreyfus was going to play a documentary filmmaker. Richard Dreyfus backed out at the last moment. They rewrote the role for a TV wow. reporter and got her... Michael, she cast Michael Douglas. She thought their chemistry would be really good. Jack Lemmon gives an amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing performance. Yeah. I don't... I mean, he... 
he was nominated for an Academy Award for this. She was nominated for an Academy Award for this. But he, like, I don't yeah. know how he... Yeah. And, yeah. and Michael Douglas gives a... It's funny to watch now. Yeah. Because he gives a nice guy performance. Yes. And it's so endearing. Yeah. And yeah. he became this totally other actor. Yeah. And, and to watch in 79, um, it's just very fast. You know, he way, way more role has... His uh, father would have maybe played early yes. on in his career. That's that's exactly it. Is it feels like, and it is interesting to watch both of them because I also think this is the most Henry Fonda esque role that sure, she yes. ever took. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. She's the person yeah. who like doesn't like wants to do the right thing, but sort of feel like has reservations about yeah, it. Yeah, and that's, that's a good really. Point. A, a lot of the roles her father took on was that sort of you know young Mr. Lincoln like this yeah. sort of like like young Mr. Lincoln is a great example. yeah young yeah. Mr. Lincoln it, like she it, like I said she she wants she wants to get it right, right but she's not quite sure how to do it but yeah essentially like this tape that they have gets buried she wants to air it and they end up going like there ends up being a standoff at the nuclear facility because she ends up sort of guilting Jack Lemmon into realizing that what happened could have been a huge disaster. Yeah. And there's slowly, like, kind of... The movie's so great because it's showing you, like, these kind of, like, very alien-looking things. And, yeah. like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. But, like, it looks like a lot of pressure and a lot of steam and, like, you know, and and the guy, uh, Jack Lemmon's character, he, like, knows what's going on. He's like, fuck, this doesn't right. look right. This doesn't look right. And, like, it's just over and over again. This doesn't look right. This doesn't look right. right. And she's kind of just, like, in the periphery of being like, you need to say something. Something needs to happen. Right. And in a way, it reflects that portion of her, too, from when she was a child, that she's like, I can make this better. I can make this better. Yeah. And that's, and I really, and I think what my favorite thing is, is as much as she is method or inhabits a character, I think China Syndrome, you have the most synthesis of who Jane Fonda is as a person and at who she is as a character in this film. And, and, as a, and a movie star. Yeah, and a movie star. Exactly. And I... I so other people get sort of chastised for that. You, you get people that are like, oh, they're always playing themselves. I think this is beyond that. I no. think this is like her... Like it's just every it's perfect. It's a perfect performance, um, and I don't want to spoil anything because this is a really it's this is a horror movie. It's a real life fucking horror movie. Yeah, it's it was so a scary, ten, very tense. But movie. she has a moment at the end where she's basically just breaking down, and I think it's the highlight of her career. We're on the air. I met Jack Adele two days ago, and I'm convinced that what happened tonight was not the act of a drunk or a crazy man. Jack Adele was about to present evidence that he believed would show that this plant should be shut down. I'm sorry, I'm not very objective. Let's just hope it doesn't end here. And that is right in the middle of her, her best string yeah. of of like movies in terms of money and critical claim. Yeah. 78, 79, 80, because you yeah. have... And 81 with on Golden Pond. Yeah. Because you have 9 to 5... China Syndrome, The Electric Horseman was a yeah. big hit. Not a very good movie. No, but, but, yeah. a big but once hit. again, her and Robert Redford. City Pollock again. Yeah. I mean, but also, like, 79, she does China Syndrome, like, this tense drama. And then in 80, goes into 9 to 5, and it's, like, such a high comedy. Yeah. Like, bitch, when will your fave? <laughs> okay? Um, 81, on Golden Pond with her dad having emotional, like, yeah. breakthroughs. Like, what? Yeah. Um, <sighs> So before we head into our fast forward, I do want to just recap because I know people get upset when we don't. Um, what was everybody's one star reviews and everybody's five star reviews? My one star review was Georgia Rule. My one star review is Monster in Law. <laughs> and my one star review from 1961 was In the Cool Light of Day. 1963. 63, thank you. Thank my you. five star review is 9 to 5. My five star review was Stanley and Iris. And that's 89. And mine is 79's The China Syndrome. Wait, so when was Stanley and Iris? 89. 89. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, we all kind of chose in the same realm. And I'll just <laughs> shout out, because it's 
for anybody who has Filmstruck who's listening, yeah. Tuval Bien is her very interesting yeah. movie she made with um, Godard. Godard, thank you. That she actually didn't really like. It yeah. isn't actually in that much of. And they famously made a little docu photo yeah. analysis called. Which is also on Filmstruck. Le- which, yep, called Letter to Jane. Yeah. Which is. It's Godard in. Was it Godin? Yeah, Godin. Godin. Yeah. They. It's Rodan and Godzilla. That's right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they co-directed Tu Bien, and then they co-directed Letter to Jane, where they basically kind of troll Jane Fonda, yeah, and also nice. also try to defend her, but right. they didn't like her, right? Because I think they kind of had a falling out making Tu Bien. Right. Because well, they kind of saw her as like an American passing as a French. Yeah, person. and Tu right. is not very good. It's it's weird for you guys to hear this, but the French are a little stuck up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard that before. What? A little shocking. Um, but it's it's a curio. And it's worth, you know, it's, it's you know, the very big, be- not the very beating, but her reaching her peak of political yeah. activism and making this crazy French movie with Godard that's about capitalism yeah. and what have you, and, and it's worth it. Moving into her fast forward, uh, as we mentioned, out now, uh, as of two weeks ago, Book Club. Right, go on, uh, book Wonderful, club. delicious films starring oh her, God. Diane Keaton, and Mary oh, Steenburgen, and Candace Bergen. And, uh, yeah. And it's... Spot, it, like, the movie was brought to you by Waze, Bumble. Oh, Bumble. Uh, book of the Beppo. Book of the Beppo. The Book of the Beppo's thing. But, like, because so she leaves the restaurant. She, she, she leaves so the restaurant. Bumble. I mean, so much Bumble. But she leaves Book of the Beppo's at one point, And then there's a fucking catering truck behind her. And I was like, you sons of bitches. Like, like honestly, all, all the money for this movie came to paying these for these women. The rest yeah. of it is just, like, fake. I hope Werner Herzog got a little money for that oh, my crazy God. joke. Cave of Forgotten yeah, Dreams joke. Cave in the first five minutes of the movie. Awesome. I laughed. I was in a movie in Pittsburgh with my, my dear wife, Kelly, and ten other people who no one was under the age of 70. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I died during, I think, Me Cave of Forgotten Dream Joke, and everybody, I think, thought I was having a seizure because right, right, nobody right. was, you know. I went alone yesterday, and I sat near the back, and I'm pretty sure there was a couple behind me, uh, uh, like, fucking doing each other. Right. But it's still... <laughs> Had a great time. (laughs) The movie is like a gay man's fever dream. Oh my God, I thought you guys were like rabbits. We are. If rabbits took a ton of Benadryl and made a chastity pact. Oh my God, we have to put a stop to this. Oh, come on. I mean, if women our age were meant to have sex, God wouldn't do what he does to our bodies. Well, speak for yourself. Well, that was not God. That was Dr. Nazarian. The first time you see Jane Fonda after all the really terrible Photoshop, and that, by the way, whoever did the Photoshop, that horrible. I was like, who <laughs> like, that was on graphics? Yeah. Who was on graphics? <laughs> I couldn't believe um, it. The, the first time you see her, she's in a hotel room of a hotel that she owns, and there's a pilot there, and he's like, the thing I like about you is that you don't need me. And she's like, I don't need any man. And she is wearing skin-tight leather yeah, yeah. and zipping up her th- a thigh-high leather boot. And yeah. I was just like... 80-year-olds can get 80-year-olds. 80-year-olds. <laughs> 80-year-olds. When will your fans? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She Truly. also is currently starring in Grace and Frankie. Yes, on Netflix. on Netflix for four, four seasons. It's heading into five seasons. I've watched them all. He's ask, watched them all. Ask me anything. And I will be honest, God bless you, because I watched two episodes when it first started, did not like it, right. decided to watch three more. I got to episode five and yeah. was so angry that they did like a fantasy like death episode that I was like, this is not for me. I... I <laughs> I've been traveling a lot for work. <laughs> I've, I've watched all of them, and partly in preparation for this podcast, but also I, I just started watching them. Yeah. Also because I like I, cinema. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I, 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 yeah, I mean, I like 
Lily Tomlin yeah. and uh, Jane Fonda together. What's funny is Jane Fonda made a movie not too long ago, a Bruce Beresford movie called Peace, Love, and Misunderstanding, yes. where she basically plays the Lily Tomlin role. She plays like right. an old hippie. Right. And it's so funny that then in Grace and Frank, she's playing, you know, an uptight, you know. And she looks great in that movie. And also, that movie's fine. It's on Netflix. It's, it's like, it's fine a fine. is a perfect yeah. way to say it. Yeah. Very, no. It's very fine. It's an interesting, <laughs> yeah, there's stuff yeah. in it. I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is in it. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Woodstock movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a movie shot in Woodstock. I know some, some, I, some of the people who made it. Actually, but I lovely think, people. what I think is interesting is you're seeing the, like, finer points of her career reflected in a like a like a duller shape now 100 um because she plays the the hippie version of herself in peace love and misunderstanding uh she plays the sort of like on golden pond-esque version of herself in our souls at night totally and then she plays like the sex kitten like the barbarella but like full grown full woman adult now like in book club, book club. Book club. But, and, but i like that she's still diversifying yeah. her role yeah, yeah. absolutely like, you know absolutely I mean? yeah and it's funny but i think she's leaned a lot harder into like her comedic. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't remember a lot of these movies that she's made in this like kind of. Well, oh, this is where I leave you. Our Souls at Night is probably like the last like dramatic. Yeah. thing like everything and it's else. Nice. It's, it's a, a nice lovely film. little movie. Yeah. yeah, her and her and Robert Redford have, have a lovely chemistry. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been in a lot of movies together. Uh-huh. Yeah, we didn't talk about the Chase, which is kind of a weird curio yeah, from yeah. the '60s Arthur Penn. We didn't really talk about Bear from the. I park, didn't like Bear from the Park at all. Oh, really? really? That, See, I that was almost. We'll have to do a that whole would never been my five star, but I like that movie. a lot. I like that movie. It wouldn't have been my five star, but I like that. I like the other Sundays in New York. I like better. Oh, interesting. Sunday in New York is great. Wow. Yeah, she's eighty years old. What is left for yes. Miss Jane? I, I actually have a couple. Book Club Two, probably. Book I mean, hopefully. I mean, pro- probably. I do. I would <laughs> I mean, like to, and I know this is this is a lot to ask, and also she doesn't. She owes us nothing. Well, Grace of Ricky season five is coming. Yeah, Grace of Ricky guest starring RuPaul. Um, thank God. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, it's a lot to ask for somebody that really doesn't owe us anything. I would love to see her get one last political like real political film yeah because she's sort of dancing around it i feel like with some of these projects yeah i do think being a sexual woman in your 80s is a is a political act but also like i don't know like i watch coming home and i watch china syndrome and i watch clute and i wonder why we don't have movies that are like this today and actually i don't know if you the the mpa documentary that came out in the early 2000s talks about Coming Home, how Coming Home is a rated R movie in which a man goes down on a woman and it's very clear what's happening. And then yeah. similar scenes happen in the 90s in films and those are rated X. Yeah. Well, Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine, That, yeah. the whole, that yeah. whole thing that yeah. happened. So, like, I, I, I don't know what she could do, but I would love to see her do something more politically active. Again. I would say this, to that point, um, so Jane Fund in Five Acts, the documentary about her, yeah. Was bought by, picked up by HBO. I don't know if it was produced by HBO, but it is coming out on HBO later this year. I would bet you, if that's a well-received doc and it kind of gets that conversation, you know, and she's been very uh, present and, you know, on things... You know, like, you know, Andy Cohen, Tanisha. Yeah. Like, she's been around. Yeah, the well, whole big Megyn Kelly dust up, which, by the way, somebody used to work with Megyn Kelly. Fuck her. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I will say, I, I think, the uh, so her, Dolly Parton, and Lily Tomlin came out on the Oscars together. For, and it was, like, after the, like, the Me Too movement stuff right. ascending. And so they all came out like the fucking goddesses they are. Yeah. Right. And um, I, I 
I mean, so there has been talk about, like, there's um, wanting to do a 9 to 5 sequel. Yeah, and se- or sequel slash reboot. Something. Where, it, where they're involved as the same characters, but it's not about them. They're right. sort of... I could see that. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, and I imagine, like, I would love to see, like, just Jane being, like, the wizened bitch who, like, has paid her dues and yeah. knows her shit. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it feels like she's been fighting this, like fight for, like, truth and women and, you know, like, equality, and it's like, damn, her entire career has been this from sex pot to, right. like... Well, you want her to have one more gem to right. end on. That, you know, you want... I mean, not to... I mean... No, no. Know, yeah. we, we hope we have Jane Fonda for another eight yeah. years, but, you know, as her legacy is being defined and yeah. kind of... You know, we're looking back and there are documentaries being made about her and what, what have you, podcasts yeah. recorded about her. I mean... She's still, like, the radical queen. You know. Like, she, like, always yeah, has been. Yeah, and yeah. The uh, one other thing I would like to add in, this shocked me, Going over her filmography, I want her to work with a female director. Yeah, crazy. This I happened. cannot believe really? that in all the films she's made, she's never once worked with a female. I'll director. say this: Grace and Frankie. Most of the episodes are yes. directed by women. Yeah, and that um, and that shouldn't be overlooked. I admit that, but like but a yeah. feature film, to your point, the, yeah. yeah, like it is shocking. Dolly Parton has not guest starred on Grace and Frankie. Oh yeah, and I don't, and it makes me a little upset, kind of. Like, <laughs> I'm also <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I would watch that episode. as we're uh, talking about it. I'm kind of like, how has that yeah. happened? And they're good friends, and they, I mean, they're politically very different, obviously. Yeah. Dolly Parton's Southern, <laughs> so, like, I mean, but that's also, all I need to say about that. I, uh, I, like, where, like, get Catherine Bigelow on the line, get yeah. Ava DuVernay on the line, sure, like, yeah. and I bet, like, God, ugh, I would, I would love, now that you mentioned it, I would yeah. love to see that. Ugh. But I think she's got many years left of acting, I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, she's, because she works a lot. Yeah. Like, I think it's important to her. She I works a lot well, for now any I think age. Yeah, now it's, she's back. I mean, right. I think, you know. The, the tentative Monster in Law Georgia rule, maybe I'll do two and be done. Yeah. That's gone. Obviously, Grace and Frankie, I mean, whatever the quality is of it, it's a very popular show. Yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, she's even said she's like, I'm done with men. Like, she's yeah. like, I love sex, but like, well, I don't need to have She sex. talks about that in her book, the going yeah. forward after her third act, it was about like being comfortable with herself. Because she's not being... been married since Ted Turner, right? No. So it's been no, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. more than that. Yeah. In fact, for a while, she moved in with her daughter and like, you know, that's what she, you know, it was, she wants to be her. For a while, um, she went full method and did Monster in Law. <laughs> she did Monster in Law. real life. Exactly. Real life. Screaming and crying mm-hmm. and taking too many pills. Exactly. You know, as we all do. Classic. <laughs> classic. Same. Classic Jane. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's our, that wraps up oh uh, our talk of Jane Fonda. It's very... We made it. Uh, we made it. I love... Epic. I love doing this. Thank you so much for recommending Thank this. you for having me. Uh, what a we, pleasure. We'll get to where you can find us online, but why don't we give you a moment to plug your shit? And- oh, goodness, plug. Um, well, so I, as Gavin mentioned earlier, I work for, with, for Jordan Raup and thefilmstage.com. Check it out. It's a pretty good movie site. And, um... My Twitter handle is DJ Mecca. Yes. Mm. Mecca like the city. M E C C A. DJ Mecca and uh, on the ones and two. And also I do DJ. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys need me, booking at thefilmstage.com. Um, and, and you're actually going to have a podcast through them. Oh yes, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, 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 I don't no, want to no. like. Blow no, your I will. Spot. No, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. The Film Stage has a podcast, but we are off shooting uh, with another podcast called The B Side. Um, Gavin was kind enough to guest on one of those. We're logging them now. Uh, the first one will most likely be a Tom Cruise episode ahead of Mission Impossible oh Fallout. So keep your Could ears you tell to the people the premise of that? Yeah, kind of the like... B side basically, a quick premise is we take a, uh, you know, we, we have our movie stars and we have their the movies that made them stars, and then in between those movies, 
are smaller movies or flop movies or not well-received movies that kind of get lost in the minutia of the stars' life. So I... we take these movies and we examine them and we examine why did the stars make them? Are yeah. they good? Are they bad? Are they well, why are I'm, they? I, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to yeah. hear some of the other episodes. So. Yeah. So that's that's the next stage of that world and uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome. And Love for it. us, you can find us online at Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. On Facebook, we're just the Mixed Reviews. Uh, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And you can listen to us every fucking Everywhere. Day. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, I, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio app. Uh, yeah, we're Victrolas. We're yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we'll be popping up in your parents' TVs, right, and right, like right. Yeah, that's that's essentially where we're all at. And uh, we'll we'll be back in two weeks uh, with a brand new subject. And I will put up a poll. Yes, put up that poll. Put up that poll. Oh, put down that poll. Okay. It's gonna be a hard poll for all their movies. <laughs> stop like, guys, we need to stop talking about hard polls. It's like, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. Oh no, Jane. So I bet you think this song is about you. Oh, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be here. Better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Tonight you're mine. Give your love